0: The Hamlet Podcast Episode 153 Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Conor Hanritty. We ended last week in the middle of Hamlet's whirling wordplay as he fantasised about the former occupants of the various skulls being dislodged in the graveyard. I feel a little remiss for having skated over Horatio's last line – He has been gently agreeing with Hamlet's suggestions and ideas and the last of these was to say, not a jot more, my lord. It's a common phrase in English that we've come to know, I've even used it in pieces I've written and translated, but I've never actually questioned what a jot might be. Turns out it's the mangled remains of the letter Iota after its journey through time and across Europe. In Greek and Latin it was iota, or iota, or iota. And then the J and the I danced through time and turned into jot. The Spanish name for the letter J is still jota, J-O-T-A. It's one of few vowels that have grown up and become consonants, I suppose. Iota is still frequently used to mean something tiny. I haven't an iota of interest in something, for example and jot means more or less the same. The more you know. But back to Hamlet. He's just finished his disquisition on lawyers and landowners, and he's reaching his own conclusion. He asks, is not parchment made of sheepskins? Isn't the paper used for legal documents made from the skin of a sheep? Horatio answers, yet again, Aye, my lord, and of calfskins too, yes, he says, sheepskin and calfskin. Parchment, a word whose name came from the drying out or parching process, was a writing material made from the skins of these various animals. I'll put more details about it in the show notes for this episode. Horatio is correct in saying that sheep and calves were the primary source material. And Hamlet answers with a flourish. They are sheep and calves which seek out assurance in that. He marries meanings of the word assurance, both the legal sense of a document that guarantees ownership and the more vague sense of a hope of security or reassurance. His point is that anyone who would seek assurance from something written on skin is not much better than the kind of gentle animal that will be led to the slaughter. And immediately Hamlet changes the subject. He decides he will speak to the gravedigger and he does so. I will speak to this fellow. Whose grave's this, Syrah? Syrah is an interesting form of address. It shows up in nearly all of Shakespeare's plays, but only once, now, in Hamlet. It doesn't just mean sir. It's very specifically for use by a person to their social inferior. Using it, you are assuming that you are of higher status than the person to whom you say it. Hamlet is pretty secure in his status here, since he's a prince talking to an ordinary person, and you'll hear throughout the scene that Hamlet will continue to say thou and thee to the gravedigger, who will respond with the more formal you. This is the original social distancing. But that doesn't mean that Hamlet will be in control, as we'll see. Hamlet has asked whose grave it is, and the answer is surprising. The gravedigger says mine, sir. Digging one's own grave is a fairly potent metaphor, of course. Before Hamlet has any chance of a comeback, the grave-digging clown starts to sing again. Oh, a pit of clay for to be made, for such a guest is meet. We've already had this line of the song earlier in the scene, so perhaps this is just here for good measure. It gives the grave-digger a little more business to be getting on with. He and Hamlet now trade lines and jokes, each trying, perhaps, to outsmart the other. Hamlet goes first. I think it be thine indeed, for thou liest in it. Hamlet is starting the volley with a joke. The sense is that this might indeed be the gravedigger's own grave because he's lying in it. The bodies of the dead traditionally lie in their graves, and Hamlet is simultaneously saying that the clown is by default lying not telling the truth, because surely he's digging the grave for someone else. The grave digger, of course, has an answer. You lie out on it, sir, and therefore it is not yours. For my part, I do not lie in it, and yet it is mine. The sense of what he's saying is that you are lying outside of this grave, sir, and therefore it is certainly not yours. As for me, I am not lying here, and yet... It is mine. Of course it is his. He's the one who's digging it, and therefore it can be said to be his creation, if not his intended resting place. Hamlet will not be bested, mind you. Thou dost lie in it, to be in it and say it is thine. Tis for the dead, not for the quick. Therefore thou liest." You are very much lying, he says, lying in that grave if you are saying that it is yours. Graves are for the dead, not for the living, and therefore you're lying. Quick is a word that comes into English via Old Norse, and it means living. Nowadays its meaning is almost exclusively to do with speed, but here it also has the sense of being the opposite of dead. And the clown scores another point with the double meaning of the word when he says... "'Tis a quick lie, sir, twill away again, from me to you.'" He plays on the fast meaning of quick. Whatever lie Hamlet is talking about is speedy, and perhaps even alive, and bounces away from the gravedigger and back to the prince, since, as the gravedigger has it, he is not lying, and therefore Hamlet is. There's still more back and forth between these two coming up. Has Hamlet finally met a worthy match? We'll find out in the next episode. Thank you as always for listening and do be sure to check out the show notes for this and all episodes on the website thehamletpodcast.com. I hope you're doing very well and I'll speak to you next time.